Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored by Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America, a fraternal financial organization. Hector can help you plan for your family's future. Also, of course, brought to you by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment you've been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. And this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 164, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We have a lot to get to. Thursday, well, we're recording this on Thursday. Most of you will be listening to this on Friday or perhaps over the course of the weekend. A lot to discuss. We will have Ed Werder, longtime ESPN NFL insider. Clarence Hill Jr., beat writer, been doing it for a long-ass time with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. We'll tell you who's going to win and why. And we will have a trip around the block, which has some very interesting little tidbits in it. But before we get started there, we need to tell you about our buddy, Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America, 940-453-3490. I tell you this all the time. You may, maybe today's not the day. It's, maybe it's just, you're like, I don't know, I know, 401k, stocks and bonds, setting up my family in their future, I'll get around to it. And then one day you realize, holy crap, I really need to start thinking about this. That's why you have this number ready to go, 940-453-3490. Let Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America help you plan out how you want your future to financially be. Dude, it's the best thing you could do, and here's why. Everybody got questions about the financial future. Those of us who are, who are of my age, hey, is Social Security going to be around to give me a boost? No idea. I better save just in case. Think about Hector is, whether you're my age and you want to be a little conservative so you don't lose what you got, he can develop a plan to help you get there. If you're Matt's age and you got some more time, more time than me, but not as much time as the young folks, he can develop a plan that can help you get there. And if you're a youngster just starting and you've been working a few years, he can certainly put a plan together that can help you feel good about your financial future when you get there. The key is putting the plan together. Give Hector a call and let him put that plan together so you can chill. In your old days, while everybody else is scrambling, trying to figure out what the hell to do. Yeah, and the best part of it is, is that the Modern Woodman of America, it's what's known as a fraternal financial organization. It's non-fee-based, so it costs absolutely nothing to meet with Hector. You can sit down and come up with a plan and, and meet with them and go through some things with them. And then what you're doing is, it's a combination, right? So it's business and giving back to the people they serve. It makes a cycle, a continuous cycle of positive impact within our community. Hector Flores, give him a call. He's a huge 
dude, he loves our podcast. Support him. He supports us. It's fantastic. It's a win-win all the way around. 940-453-3490. Also, of course, we keep telling you about him. I keep working with him. I'm hoping that one day I'll wake up and my back will feel like it did before somebody was like, hee-hee, lights don't matter to me. But <laughs> the attorneys at Greening Law, man, if you've been hurt in a car accident like I was, I, and they handle all sorts of other cases. I mean, this is one of those things like malpractice from a physician. You got injured on the premises of business or whatever. Then what always happens is you'll, some insurance on company will try to call you and be like, hey, so we understand, blah, don't just, this is why you need this number. Because you want to call Robert Greening immediately, 972-934-8900. Give him a call, explain what's going on, and see if you've got something they can help you with. Dude, I think it's a, it's a smart move, man. I think it's a, no no better thing to do it. And here's why, man. It's um, The call is free. It doesn't cost you anything. I mean, literally. Can you get any better than that? No. And you're right. <laughs> The call, they, the, they ask you, I mean, the process is you call them and then you right. let them know, hey, I heard about you guys on the Jam Session podcast and I wanted to call because I was in a car accident this weekend that was not my fault at all. And then they'll ask you some questions and you go through and you describe what was happening. And, you know, in my case, they're like, oh, do you have a police report? Yes, here's the number and all this type of stuff. And then they handle it for you, man. And, you know, they really work on the behind the scenes to take care of all the legalese and handling all the people. You would be surprised in a car accident like the one I had, the amount of phone calls that people have for you. Like just from a, like just different, like the insurance companies, their insurance company, people calling you medical, the hospital that they take you to, all these different things that happen. I didn't have to worry about any of that because I just would refer everything to, to Greening Law and then the green team that I've been working with. Now, the green team takes care of it, man. It doesn't cost anything to pick up the phone. They don't get paid unless Matt gets paid or unless you get paid. So you never, ever have to wonder, are they really working hard for me? Heck, yeah, they are, because they want everybody, their client and themselves to win. 972-934-8900. It is Robert Greening, Office, Dallas, Texas. Well, we got another football weekend coming. We're about to have the back-to-back Sundays of noon kicks. Hell, yeah. For Dallas Cowboys games. This Sunday... It is at noon. It is the Denver Broncos coming to town to take on Denver four and four, by the way, to take on the six and one Dallas Cowboys. And it's going to be interesting because never in my lifetime have I seen what I'm going to see on Sunday afternoon. That is the Dallas Cowboys wearing a uniform with red in it. How about that, dude? I I, was like, whoa. I mean, I get why they're doing it, but my God, it's hideous. It is. I don't know what to tell you. That helmet is ugly. I don't know why, man. It didn't look ugly back in 1976. I guess not, but it looks ugly today. And and look, it's a really cool thing. A lot of teams around, not just the NFL, but I know, for instance, here in the Birmingham area, UAB is wearing white helmets with like a uh, an American-looking blazer dragon on their helmet this weekend. And it's to celebrate salute to service, to thank right. the our, all of our veterans and, and current people that are working in the armed forces and whatnot and the sacrifices that they and their families are making. So it's a great cause. It's just an ugly-ass helmet. Dude, yeah, it is. It's a, uh, you know, it's got a red, white, and blue stripe right down the middle. Yeah, it just and doesn't ain't work. No red nowhere in the Cowboys nope. uniform. They don't even. I mean, they barely have a blue that matches a red because they got funky colors, which is why it's a classic uniform. They got all kind of colors that don't seem to go together, but go together because they're they're the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and that's the problem is that it, it literally it just sticks out so god awfully ugly from everything else they have going on. 
But you know what's interesting about this? See, you say that, but as I rethink it, it's on a gray helmet, gray or silver helmet. Silver and red go together. Kind of like Scarlet and Gray with Cowboys. I mean, with the Buckeyes. They got a dark blue star on the side. Well, hell, blue and red certainly go together. They got white outlining the star. Well, white certainly goes with red. Dude, I, I'm just... When you put it all together, uh, it don't look right. Get ready it doesn't look right. Matchups of the and I was Go just... Figure, bro. I was just pulling up a a picture uh, from when Staubach had the helmet in 1976. It doesn't look good then either. I was going to say, did it look good on Roger the Dodger? No, it, it just... I don't know, but... Uh, the man they call Captain America? I guess it didn't look good, no. <laughs> it didn't, okay? But I am excited. It's it's always cool to see something new, and, and hopefully it won't stick out too bad. Look, this is a Cowboys team that's won six in a row. Dak is going to play. He, he said he's good to go. Everybody is excited about this. Denver is in this weird year where the Broncos were one of those teams that started off 3-0, and everybody's like, yeah, but they're, they're really not that good. They did that against the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. Right, right. Then they turn around and promptly lost four in a row before getting past Washington last week. So they come in at four and four. This is a team who, for the season, they scored 27 points against the Giants in week one and 26 against the Jets in week three. Outside of that, look, this is a team that if they can get to 20, it'd be a miracle defensively they're just kind of so-so and then they traded Von Miller to the Rams this week which kind of signaled oddly enough it just we're felt quitting. like like a white flag kind of you know yeah, yeah yeah, we're quitting yeah um here's the problem for them I think well let, let me put it like this there's a way the Broncos can hang around and make this game uncomfortable and even steal it and win it and if that's and, and when I tell you what it is you'll be like you know what okay I get you I feel you which is easy. You had the emotional win last week without the quarterback, without Dak. You got a raggedy Rudy. I mean, they, they're not they're, they're really not that good. The right. Broncos coming to town, and you go, oh, we'll take this week off because we're the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, we're that, pretty yeah. effing good. So you can fall asleep in a trap game and give them some turnovers and help them out and be like, as I like to say, give them a big bottle of belief pills at some point in the second quarter, and you could be in for a dogfight. Now, if that doesn't happen, you know, the Cowboys did a little bit of that against Carolina before settling down. Um, But if they come out and with Dak play their focused game, because Dak is like, I'm so happy to be back. Let's be focused. Let's be sharp. Then I have done the rare thing that I have ever done, Matt. I have predicted a, I think I wrote for the paper tomorrow, the Dallas Morning News. I think I wrote 41-23. Wow. Nice. And that's because the Cowboys offense is really at a point now, man, where they are they are damn good. And they got a lot of weapons. And if they get rolling and at some point tomorrow, I mean some point Sunday, they will get rolling. They're gonna be hard to stop, brother. And they're gonna put some they scored thirty four points a game, bro. Yep. They had four hundred they had damn they had closer to five hundred yards than four hundred yards with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Dude, they are good offensively. Um, we'll see how big a loss Tyron Smith is against this particular team. But uh, I think they're just going to have their way offensively at some point. And as they get ahead, the turnovers will come as Denver is forced to play up from behind.
Yeah, and, and I, I agree with you. I mean, Denver is a team, they did not turn it over in one game this year. Now this is somewhat skewed, I guess, just because of the fact that they've got 10 turnovers in eight games, but four of those came in one game against the Raiders. Without Von Miller, who's their emotional leader, and obviously that had to be an emotional week watching him walk away. This is also a Broncos team. You, again, you look at their first three games. Allowed 13 to the Giants, 13 to the Jags, zero to the Jets. Held all three of those teams to 75 yards or under rushing. The last five games is a completely different story. And when you look at what they've done in four out of the last five games, they've allowed well over 100 yards rushing. The Browns ran for 182 on them. The Steelers for 147. I'm with you. I didn't have them over 40, but I had it at 37 to 17, Dallas. Well, hell, you might, you can't, you 37, man. You might well take the next four points. Be bold, <laughs> man. Get out there. Get out there. Be bold. I'll let you have the 41 to 23, <laughs> and I'll stick with my 37 to 17, which is, but basically, because that's an 18 point spread for you and a 20 point spread for me. Both of us are saying the Cowboys win this thing by three scores. Yeah. And, and I just, looking at what Denver does and what the Cowboys have done, and I, I actually think if Dak had played last week, you know, and they had this win and it was tough and they had to come from behind and all this against Minnesota. But I think with Dak not having played, I think he's going to be chomping at the bit to come out and get back in this and make sure that there's no drop off. Yeah, I feel you on that, bro. I feel you on that. And I think they're going to whip their ass. Yeah, I think I think um, I just think this is uh, and y'all know I'm not really into hyperbole. I'm not into it at all. It just is what it is, man. You're either good, you're average, you're great. Just whatever, whatever you really are. And it's a damn good team. And um, their best players on offense, Dak, Zeke, um, you know, City, Amari. If you listen to them, man, they all sound alike. Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, yeah. they all sound alike, man. They're all workmanlike in their performance. They're all When you got that many guys running the top of your team, people have no choice but to get in line and follow those guys. Because they're the best players, they're the highest played guys, and they're playing the game a certain way. And they're playing with a lot of quiet confidence right now, bro. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how far they go and what they can do because this is a damn good team. It very much so is, man. And I, I the division, you know, Philadelphia, this is what's weird is Philadelphia has one of those super late buys. Philadelphia's bye week isn't until the second week of December. I mean – Jesus. Yeah, which is nuts. Like Philadelphia, I mean, think about that. We've already played eight weeks. I think that's week 14. So they, they have, they'll be 13 games into the season before Philadelphia has their bye. Now, that being said, the Cowboys, because of that half game difference, there's always going to be that half game for the next few weeks. Philadelphia has the Chargers this week, and you would expect the Chargers would be able to take care of business. And if they can do that, and Philly's three and six, and Dallas is seven and one, I mean that's a four and a half game lead halfway through the season. Yeah, that's all cool, but we ain't we we ain't really thinking about the division. No, I mean, you got to keep pace with the Green Bay's and the right. Arizonas and everybody I mean, else who's seven and one. Matter of fact, I'm gonna tell it to you like this, bro. It's not even about the NFC East. It's about winning the NFC division, win the NFC title. Win the NFC Conference regular season conference title. And you're like, what the hell is Taylor talking about? Well, funny you should ask me. Let me tell you. Go win. See, I have a new division I've created. Okay. And it's Dallas, Green Bay, Arizona, 
and the Rams and Tampa Bay. I created a five-team division. I like this. You need to win that division. Yeah, win that one. Win that. See, fuck it. Oops. Screw the NFC East. What happened to you? Like, you were dropping F-bombs like crazy last podcast, and today you're like, oh, oh my, I'm so sorry that I've cussed. God. Yeah, what can I say, man? So, fuck or screw the NFC East, whichever you prefer. Um, What about make love to the NFC East? (laughs) You could do that, too. How do you get down with the NFC East? Do that. Uh, But let's have the Cowboys now really go after the I call it the the big boy conference, Mm -hmm. the division of doom. Let them win the division of doom. Again, it's Dallas, it's Arizona, it's the Rams, it's the Packers, it's the Bucks. Win the division of doom, and all your dreams will come true, my friends. That's right. That's a very, very good way of looking at it. I like the division of doom. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Okay, so we'll focus on that because that's where you're at, man. And we all know. Matter of fact, we should we should start a weekly look at the uh, the division of doom, and we'll look at the division of doom each Thursday and see how the Cowboys are doing because the NFC East is done. Yeah, the NFC. I I agree with you. And please don't be the person that runs out and buys an NFC East champs hat. Just don't do it. I don't even know why they make that material. That that just pisses me off. Every time I see that, I'm like, really? You're satisfied with that shit? No, thank you. I've still got yeah. a Cowboys shirt from when they last won the Super Bowl that I cannot. I mean, how old was I? I was a sophomore in high school, so there's no way in hell I could fit into it. But, you know, but I, yeah. So when you look at this, if you want to go with that, the division of doom and you look at it, Green Bay and Kansas City this week. Now, walking into this before Aaron Rodgers was, I was like, oh, yeah, I do what I want. I'm Aaron Rodgers. Discount double check. I'm a douche. But for real, bro. They are on the road at Kansas City. Now, with help, with Aaron Rodgers not taking himself out, I would have thought, man, Green Bay is going to smoke Kansas City. I still kind of think that. But then again, I have no idea what to expect from Jordan Love. Nobody does. Nobody does. He's never played. He could be Cooper Rush and be really serviceable and good and help you win. Or he could be, I don't know if it would be Ben DiNucci, but, uh, you know, nobody knows, man. Um, but I think it's a great opportunity for Green Bay to, mm. to show him, see what he can do, and make you feel really good or just so-so about life after Rodgers next year. Now, the other two 7-1 and one teams in the NFC, Arizona is on the road against San Francisco, who's 3-4. and four. Kyler Murray's a bit banged out. He was horrible last week. He did not have a good game last week. Kyler Murray did for Arizona. I would honestly, I would not be surprised being at home, with a not 100% healthy Kyler Murray, if San Francisco steals one from the Cardinals this Sunday. Um, I think your Dallas Cowboys would, would, would love for that. To yeah, no doubt. In the division of doom, we would all love that. And then the <laughs> no, other I one. Think, uh, I was going to just say that San Francisco is kind of an interesting team, but it was a good win for them, even if it was over Chicago last year. They showed some things on offense we haven't seen. And so uh, maybe uh, Kyle Shanahan can find his play caller mojo again this week. Maybe. And then the other 7-1 and one team. See, and this is... It's much like Fox had to be stoked, like, oh, hell yeah. We get Rodgers and Mahomes. This is great. Oh, my God. No. NBC's got to be thinking 6-2 Tennessee. They've taken down Kansas City. They've taken down Buffalo. Coming in to L.A. against the 7-1 Rams. Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald in this Rams defense against the number one running back. And, oh, he's not playing. Because Derrick Henry broke his foot and is out. But you do get Adrian Peterson. You'll get to watch him play on Sunday night. <laughs> 
And this is why I always say, and I'm not breaking any news here, okay? So this is not me breaking news. That's why I always say, man, the game at this level is really about who handles attrition and who can survive all the injuries that come in the NFL. And it's ne- to me, it's almost never the best team yeah. that wins the title, the Super Bowl championship. It's the team that either stayed the healthiest or got its guys back. And again, you know, that's why I look at the Cowboys as, as being in the midst of what could be a special season because they haven't really had – I realize what, what we're talking about. But they haven't really had catastrophic injuries yet to guys who matter – at the highest level, and the injuries that they did have. You know, we've talked a lot about Gallimore and Demarcus uh, Lawrence and Michael mm-hmm. Gallup. They all happened so early that they're coming back just as the stretch run is beginning. And they'll have fresh legs for the playoffs, fresh legs for the, st- for the stretch run, and they're all playing key spots, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the defensive linemen, the defensive tackles have been solid. Especially with Odigizua right there. They've been solid. Now you're going to add Neville Gallimore, who everybody was raving about before he got hurt, is a guy who's going to have a breakout year. Yeah. You had Tank Lawrence on the opposite side of Randy Randy Gregory, and then you bring Gallup back, and people are so impressed by Cedric Wilson. They're like, hey, we should trade Gallup. What do we need Gallup for? We got Cedric Wilson. I'm like, dude, the more good players, the better. So yes. They got them coming back, man. They got reinforcements coming in. Dude, it's shaping up to be a hell of, it is. hell of a stretch run. It is. Tampa's on a bye this week. So, I, I mean, honestly, I would not be surprised if Arizona and Green Bay lose. I think the Rams are going to win. They're, they're at home. The Titans have been going through a lot this week. I think the Rams are going to get to 8-1. and one. But depending on how those other two games play out, there's a chance that Dallas, if they can get past Denver, they're 7-1. and one. They may be sitting there second in the NFC behind 8-1 and one Green Bay. Dude. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Before we take this trip around the block, let's tell you, did you get some? Have you ordered yours yet? Brews Biltong. And you may be wondering, what the hell is Biltong? Well, I'll tell you exactly what it is because I have it. It is like beef jerky, but it isn't. It's a traditional South African air-dried meat. I'm going to tell you straight up, it is better than beef jerky. The Biltong that I got in, Brews Biltong. So what this is, brew means bro in South African. So what up, bro? Yeah, like, you know how, like, over here we'll say, hey, what's up, bro? Over there, they say, how's it, brew? Yeah. They go, hello, oh. Oh, that's not South Africa. South African's hard to do. It's like a cross between Australian and English. Oh, yeah, hello, how's it, brew? Yeah, how's it, brew? You want some biltong? You know, kind of like that. I like some. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. There you go. But biltong, it's absolutely fantastic, too. There's zero sugar. There's no artificial ingredients. They have multiple sizes that you can order with Brews Biltong. You can get some snack bags for yourself. I like those because they're two-ounce bags, and one bag is 240 calories and 30 grams of protein. (laughs) Dude, and, you know, for us people trying to stay in shape, it's great. My box of Biltong arrived last night, and I was munching on a bag as I watched a documentary on the great Jackie Wilson. Isn't it good? Dude. It's better it's, than beef jerky, uh, isn't it? Well, here's the deal. I thought I would, it was like more savory and more tender. I was just about to say that before you rank, yanked my mouth open and stole those words. Well, there you go. I was I was going to say the thing I noticed most is that it was a lot more tender and a lot chewier and a lot juicier, if I can say that, even though it's jerky, Yeah. than traditional beef jerky. Like, And here's what I mean. Like when I finished, I didn't have a lot between my teeth. 
because I'm serious because it's juicy, so I was able to chew it up as opposed to getting stuck in my teeth. It was really, really good. I'm going to have some more. I'm, matter of fact, I'm doing a uh, radio broadcast of my son's game tonight at DeSoto, and I'm taking some with me so I can eat it on the sideline. How yeah, it's that? a fantastic snack. I was telling my brother about it, and he's like, damn, only 240, 30 grams of protein? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm yeah. going to order some. So That's legit. Here's the deal. Go to bruisebiltong.com. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. Bruisebiltong.com. Order yours today. And when you check out, there's there's like a little thing on the side, and you can type in JAM15, J-A-M-15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's, Do it. It's yeah. delish. Bruisebiltong. Promo code JAM15, 15% off your order at bruisebiltong.com. If you like beef jerky, you're going to love Biltong. Also, of course, podcast made possible by Blue Star Motor Group, specializing in superior quality Carfax certified pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models. Have you called Deb yet? 817-881-4066. 817-881-4066. Go right now, bluestarmotorgroup.com. Start fantasizing about driving away in one of their vehicles. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. I'm going to tell you right now you can because you're going to get the best deal you've ever had working with a car dealership place at bluestarmotorgroup.com. Dude, you know, Deb and Mike, they're fantastic. What I love about them, it's all about the win-win, baby. At the end of a deal, they want everybody to feel good about signing that paperwork and driving off or selling your car to them. That's what I like about it because everybody ain't like that. Um, it's why they get return business. It's why their business has been successful in North Texas for years, I guess decades now. And it's why it'll continue to thrive because they're all about giving you the best deal for your car, whether you're buying one from them or whether you're selling it to them. And so I say give Deb a call because she can make it happen. Yeah, man. I just saw because I, I check their website often and they get new stuff in all the time. Like this is new that I just came across. It's a 2016 Jeep Grand Cherokee four-wheel drive, four-door overland. It is black exterior, panoramic roof, heated rear seats, heated and AC cooled front seats, a backup camera, premium sound system. This thing, they've got it right now, less than $29,000 for that level of a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Didn't I tell you? They can make it happen. Man, that's I a good deal. You. They can make it happen, man. Yeah, that's a good-looking car, too, dude. <laughs> Very I nice. I fantasize all the time. And see, the other thing is they got a car for every budget. They you need do, a car yeah. for your kid, yeah. boom, they got that. Fresh out of college, you need a car, boom, they got that. Want to get a midlife crisis car like your boy has gotten. They got that, too, man. Give them a call. Give them a call. She can make it happen for you. They will. They will take care of you. They are big fans of what we do, and we're fans of them. So please support them. If you have a car buying or selling need or know somebody that does, make sure that you check in with Blue Star Motor Group, 817-881-4066. All right, let's do it. Let's check in with longtime Cowboys beat writer of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Joins us every week. It is Clarence Hill Jr. here with us. And chill, the Cowboys get the big win. What were your take, your thoughts on what you saw on Sunday against Minneapolis or against Minnesota in Minneapolis with Cooper Rush? I mean, the bottom line is you have to look at the big picture. And, and, and obviously, the small picture, what a great day for Cooper Rush and his family. And, and so you watching his dad in the stands. And, Jock, you were with me last year when my daughter won state in gymnastics. And just the pride and joy you feel when your daughter does something amazing and your child does something amazing that you didn't really expect. You just and just, just so I, 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 that was, that was thrilling. That's what sports is all about. 
But from the big picture, I mean, the Cowboys played the long game. You know, they cast losing that game against the Vikings for the big picture because they know this has a chance to be a special season, and they wanted to nip this thing in the bud with Dak Prescott. They made an organizational decision to sit Dak against his wishes, you know, so he would be ready for the bug of the season. So this would be a, a week-to-week thing. And so they won the long game, and they won the short game, and that just tells you that this has the makings of a special season. Things are just lining up and, and – and, Things are falling right for the Cowboys. Um, it's it's good that it's going that way, and uh, I'm, I'm glad for him. And I thought it was a, a huge opportunity for Cooper Rush. He took advantage of it. Dak is back this week. How's he looked in practice, and uh, what kind of performance do you expect from QB? Again, the funny thing is he, he he looks great. He looked great last week, you know. And Coop, you know, Dak said he looked fine last week. He had no limitations. And and um, and uh, you know, I remember Mark Cooper telling last week he, he looks like Dak. He looks fine. I said, well, Cooper, you said it last week. He said he did look fine to me. You know, but I don't make no decisions. <laughs> you know, they made those decisions. And, 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 and Mark Cooper told us that Dak told them on Friday he wasn't playing. So this did not come up to a game-time decision. It was something they made an organization that we're going to do this for the best interest of the franchise. It was not anything that they saw before the game or whatever else because Dak said he could run the offense, had no problem running the offense. And, and he's looked good in practice doing the same thing today. But they feel more confident because you're now – two, three weeks away from the injury. And you're just talking to Dak today. So they, you know, they got two weeks out of me last week. But, you know, they can be happy with those two weeks. There's no way he's not playing this week against the Denver Broncos. What's the deal with the changes on the offensive line with Tyron? It sounded like today Amari Cooper, maybe it was Dak saying basically that it's going to be uh, Steele on the left side and, and then Lyle Collins on the right side. I mean, that's what it's going to be. I mean, that's the way they've been practicing and, you know, uh, Tyron Smith is not going to play this week. Yeah, they basically told us that uh, because of ankles and bones for his ankle. And so you have to make some moves and, and how you're going to best protect Dak and, and run this offense without Tyron Smith. You're not going to run Todd in a second back out there. He, he's not what you want out there for an entire game. And when you look at the two options you have, you have Leo Collins, you have Terrence Steele. Terrence Steele, you know, one week ago he was too good and, 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 and too much chemistry on the right side to, to bring Leo Collins back. One week later, and we got we, we, it's an emergency situation. Terrence Steele is going to the left side. Lyle Collins is going to the right side. And one reason why Terrence Steele is the opposite to go to the left side and not stay on the right side, where he has all that great chemistry with Zach Martin because they always talk over themselves depending on the situation, uh, is because he's repped the left side in practice. He's repped the left side in training camp. He played left tackle in, in uh, last season. Uh, so throughout his career, he's had reps to both left and right tackle, going back to college. Dale Collins has never played on the left side in, in the NFL. He's never had, had took no rep at left tackle in training camp. So there's no muscle memory there for him playing on the left side. It's like playing left, you know, if you're used to doing things right-handed, you got to do things with, other, with your other hand. You know, it's, it's a muscle memory thing. It's a footwork thing. So for the in their best interest, they feel it's best to put Terrence Steele on the left side and, and Leo Collins back on the right side. And what we also know is that once Terrence, uh, Tyron Smith comes back, Leo Collins is going to stay on that right side. That's good. That, what a hell of a breakdown by there for Clarence E. Hill Jr. <laughs> we, we, appreciate, we appreciate that, man. Uh, how big a deal are we making about J. Ryan Curse calling plays? You know, the good news is we don't have to make a big deal out of it at all. You know, I mean, if they would have lost, if Michael Parsons had some type of ego where, you know, you know he didn't want resisted it, uh, if it didn't result in the best game of Michael Parsons' career, you know, th- there may be some talk about the decision and, of course, the decision-making. But the defense play outside those penalties 
they played a damn good game, damn clean game. Mike McCarthy talked about the communication being the best they've ever had all season, the back end, the front end. You know, and, and that's okay. I mean, Mike is still a rookie, and, and he's done so much. And this is not a situation where he can't handle something or, or it, it's, it's a, a learning thing. We they, they had a lot on his plate, you know, from playing defensive end to playing linebacker to running sideline to sideline, mugging the A-gap, covering tight ends. <laughs> Just let's slow some things down. And Jaron Curse, and the, th- the thing about it is, is Jaron Curse is a glorified linebacker. Let's just be honest about it. So it's not like you're really putting a safety there. They play so much big nickel and so many packages with the nickel and him playing close to the line of scrimmage like a linebacker. He is the other linebacker, you know, and they have him doing it. You know, it's interesting because you didn't think of Keno Neal or you didn't think of Leighton Vanderish. You thought of Jaron Curse because unlike Keno Neal and Leighton Vanderish, the two other linebackers on the team who play a lot outside of Michael Parsons, Jaron Smith doesn't come off the field. Those guys yeah. come off the field. Jaron Smith, I mean, Jaron, Jaron Kurt doesn't come off the field. And But beyond that, from a, you know, and we're looking at a Michael's point of view, what did they get with Jaron Kurt? That is found money. You talk about found. This dude wasn't no player in Minnesota. This dude wasn't <laughs> no player in Denver and Detroit. He got run off of Detroit, Okay. He got ahead of DUI Minnesota. He was just a big player. I remember when they signed it. It was a special team signing. The Cowboys had a vision for him. His size and height was used. And now this guy's playing down to every down. He's been the most impactful player in their secondary, not named Trayvon Diggs. And now he's calling plays for, for – uh, and Michael Parsons, they're on curse has been found money. Okay, now what do you do with that found money? Because is he, is he like uh... – that dude that Tony Tony Romo helped make twenty million dollars with the Jaguars, <laughs> the receipt. You know what I mean? Like is no, J. Ron no. Curse like a product of Dan Quinn going? You know what? In our system, you would be a perfect fit right here doing this, this, and this. But you go somewhere else, you might be go back to being just a guy. But sound like somebody else's problem, not the okay. Cowboys' problem. That's somebody right. else's problem. That's that's at the end of the season. And and, and you know, we were, I was just talking about the Cowboys got a lot of decisions to make at the end of the season on contract. Because all these guys are on one-year deals, right? You know, and then you got the tight end who's, who's your boy, you know, who's at the end of his contract. You know, they Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup, Randy Gregory. You know, they got a lot of decisions. Let, let's, let's don't worry about all of that in the future. <laughs> let's just worry about now. They got Jaron Curtis right now playing the best football of his career, been an impact player for the team, playing every down, playing all the field, calling plays. The Cowboys need to be happy with what they got, and and you know, at the end of the season. To the victory, go to spoils. If the spoils go to the victory, however you want to say it, that stuff will work its way out, one way or another. Who's gonna get paid? Who's not gonna get paid? How they gonna go forward? They just are focused on making this a special season, and Jaron Curse is a big part of that equation. Him coming out of nowhere to be the player he is and has been for this defense. Okay, and hey, Matt, I'm gonna let you get in. I promise. Okay, um, <laughs> do whatever you want, Jacques. <laughs> <laughs> because Clarence is now has now got me thinking about something. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are the five biggest surprises on this Cowboys Ooh. team with J. Ron Curse? And we ain't got to rank them, but of five guys who have surprises, is J. Ron Curse is on there? Well, and Terrence Steele. Well, let's, let's, start right. Right there. let's do the, let's do the easy thing. You know, J. Ron right, right. Curse and Terrence Steele uh, are, are, are the top two. Um, I would say Cedric Wilson goes at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. What he's right, do. right, right. You know, okay. from, from what you what you see, so that that's three. Let me uh, uh, Odigizua. Did you think right. that this guy third round pick Hell coming no. from UCLA? 
who was going to be able to come in and be the player he has been at uh, at defense uh, tackle. And then, of course, Randy freaking Gregory. Randy freaking Gregory. You cannot overlook what he's done, what he's meant, how he's playing. He's unblockable. Let's be honest about it. I, I, listen, I don't know if we've seen a defensive end have the stretch he's had the last few weeks. Yeah, you know, since since Demarcus uh, Ware. Okay. I mean, I was going to say. Right. I mean, since Demarcus Ware, from it, it's not just the sacks; it's the drawing, holding penalties, disrupting play. He's a disruptor. You look at that yeah. game last week, that last drive, and he didn't get a sack. He had the two penalties, but he wrecked them when they got first down at the four yard line. He wrecked yeah. their chance of scoring a touchdown. He, he he blew up a tackle on a running play that made them go the other way. Uh, he, he pressured the quarterback, made him throw an incompletion. He pressured the quarterback at the end. They could not block him. He played mad. He played angry. I mean, this is what you want. That's so you know, Mike McCarthy talks about the penalties. I like the fact that they're playing with Ed. And no one's playing with more Ed than Randy freaking Gregory. True that, true that, true that. Yeah, I wanted to ask because we saw the thing with CeeDee Lamb in practice with the ankle, and he was limited today. Amari Cooper was limited today. Are there any perceived problems with their availability come Sunday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to go sign to Son Jackson. They're going to trade for OBJ. <laughs> I mean, that's what I get on my Twitter. I mean, that's what I get on Twitter. I mean, yeah, you know, that's what you do. There you go. You <laughs> that's just, what I get on Twitter. Hey, Deshaun hey, Jackson yeah, cleared waivers. Deshaun Jackson, they need to trade for OBJ. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! If you don't have it, one thing you don't have to worry about is this damn Cowboy receiver core, right? <laughs> you know, Cedric Wilson fills in fine. You know, Amari gonna play, right? <laughs> when does he not play? And when does he not show up and play? We don't have to worry about Amari now, especially at home. The dude plays and goes off at home. You know, and I think that yeah, CD didn't play, but we watched him go through rehab, and he did not. He was not limping. Uh, he didn't have a boot on. He went with Brick Brown. I think they're being cautious with him in practice, which you should be cautious with him in practice. And then, you know, you got Michael Gallup. You got Michael Gallup in your back pocket. You know, I, I think that if it had been any other situation, if they weren't playing so well, if they need him, Michael Gallup would probably be back by now. But they were able to err on the side of caution and not force him back out there and, and, and kind of wait to see when they really needed him. And this man, week four, you need the Mike Gallup to come up. But they got options at receiver. Nobody's worried about the options at receiver. <laughs> no. Hey, you got another question, Matt? Because, you know, I'll be hogging. No, that. go for it. What, what, what's next for you? <laughs> no, I think we good on the Cowboys, uh, except for this. You know, what's what do you think about Denver? Can they do anything to keep it close? Uh, I think that, you know, I, I don't think Denver can do anything on defense to slow the Cowboys, especially, you know, without their best pass rush, and, and, and they let him go. You know, I just don't know what they can do. They have a nice little safety in Simmons. I just don't think they can do anything. They can't stop the run. Uh, there's no way the cornerbacks can, can stay with the Cowboys. The Dak Prescott, or Dak Prescott, you know, they're they're not slowing. And offensively, you know, they can't score enough to keep up with the Cowboys. They do have a nice offense. They got a nice running game. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's gonna check it down and, and be smart. They got some decent receivers with with, with, with Judy and your boy from SMU. Uh, I just don't. But Noah Fant is not playing. Uh, they're, they're they're tight end. Uh, they just can't keep up with the Cowboys. This is just not gonna be that type of game. The Cowboys are gonna wear them out. Cowboys have been a covering machine. I don't know if you're a gambler or you do anything like you have those proclivities. Proclivities. But the Cowboys have been a covering machine all season. Shouldn't change. Well, okay, now ask the question you've been wanting to ask the entire time, Jacques. What's up with your special teams coach at UT and the monkey, man? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we all is. want to know about the pole assassin. The pole assassin, baby. There she is. First of all, you know, 
and, and I've been getting criticized on Twitter for making excuses and, 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 and saying it's not that big of a deal. What did Jeff Banks do wrong? Have you seen the poll assassin? Have you seen her work? What did he do wrong? <laughs> okay, I mean, okay. Okay, we've covered this league a long time. I know a lot of coaches that go to strip clubs. I know a lot of coaches hey. on his second and third marriages. Good friends of ours. You know, he left his wife, and that, I don't know what happened at home. That was, that was not this year. He's been with her for a while, okay? You go back, and then funny thing is, I got friends of reporters in Austin who, when they got hired, they told me about this relationship. And they said, go to our Instagram. And I've been on Instagram accounts since January, okay? I've, died, I've seen the Jerry Springer. I've seen it all. Let's be honest about this, okay? And, it, and I, as, as I've said on Twitter earlier today, if the coaches and players did their job as well as she did her job, Texas would be undefeated. <laughs> Texas would be undefeated. Now, this whole monkey business situation, that's unfortunate. I don't know what happened. And, you know, you don't really like uh, monkey bitch biting on kids. But I tell you what, if oh, it was don't. really a serious if it was really a serious injury, we would have heard more than just all this lark. You know, people be talking about the kid. No yeah. one brought up how bad. I mean, so, you know, it's, it's just another way of going at Texas. Uh, they're having a bad season. It's a crazy, interesting story. If you if you want to know the – I mean, people – what it is is John Q. Puffin really doesn't know the underbelly of college football, the, mm. the goings-on of coaches and, and on recruiting and all this other stuff. This is not shocking in the world of college football. Not at all, man. That's what I think is, and then people want to argue with you like that's not true. Like, okay, fine, you know, whatever. I mean, it's listen, listen. Uh, Jimmy Johnson openly talked about not being a good dad to his kids. Okay, yeah, you know, growing up. Okay, uh, you know, when he was coaching because he was always focused on football or he had a side chick. We know that, Josh. Let's be honest about it. Okay, you look at that staff in the nineties. You know, we we all know what was going on. You know, Bill Parcells. You know. He's on his second. He was. Uh, he left his wife. His wife left him. You know, similar reasons. Okay, Bill Belichick. All these great coaches didn't keep their marriages for one reason or another. So the fact that he didn't keep his marriage—that's not a shock. It's unfortunate, you know, for the kids. But this is not the first time that's happened in college sports or coaching sports at all. And we we see this all the time. I'm not condoning it, but let's not act like we're shocked. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Chill would know he's been on her Instagram since January. Yeah. I'm, listen, I'm sorry. I mean, what, what do you expect? I mean, I'm a reporter. Yeah. No, I understand. You, you I'm so- a reporter, and, and my reporter friends in Austin told me about her yeah. and L'Oreal Sarkeesian and everything else. So I'll bet, you know, yeah, I've been following. I, you know, I keep up with my team. That's what you got to do. I, I follow recruiting. I follow coaching. I follow Paul Assassin. I'm sorry. <laughs> Have you been surprised at Texas at four and four? Oh, definitely surprised. And, and, and again, I, I think like with anything, you know, stories are bigger based on how the team is doing. And, mm-hmm. and, and things are not going well. And then, you know, any little bit, you know, just chips at the armor of, of what's going on in Texas and, and, and how things are going. They've lost three straight games. They've blown in the same way. Blowing second half leads, double digit leads. Uh, with all the excitement that, you know, they were building, uh, they were trying to build a rem- momentum they were trying to build after that TCU win with, with Sarkeesian and, and, and with recruiting and everything else, to, to lose the way they've lost, yeah, it, it's shocking. It's disappointing. I, and people keep trying to say, well, it's just recruiting and they don't have the players. Well, they had the players get up by double digits. <laughs> so the same players got up by double digits, that wasn't a recruiting issue. It's only when they lose 
you know, at the end of the game, there's a recruiting problem. You know, I, that, that doesn't jive with me. Somehow, I expected the coaching to be a difference maker because we knew what they had talent-wise. Uh, the coaching has not been a difference in key moments. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the disappointment, you know, with, with our season. And I said this last week, you know, they had two weeks to prepare for Baylor. Okay, two weeks to prepare for Baylor, and they did not win. That tells you more than you need to know about this coaching staff. That, that's a problem for me. That's true, man. I mean, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they finish this season because of who they've got coming up. You, you look at – surely they do enough to at least get to a bowl game. But I say that, and then you've seen how they've kind of just fallen apart at times. And, and I mean, I have no I have no idea what to expect from them in the final month of the year. Yeah, they got to win two. You know, and, 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 and winning two and getting six wins is, is, is certainly not exciting. One you should get against Kansas. Course, you we, you we know should we, get. You should yeah, get. Yeah, from Charlie Strong's experience, you know, shows that that's not a given. Especially if a team is not in a good mental mindset, anything could happen. But you got a tough game with West Virginia, and you got Kansas State. Iowa State. Uh, and you got Iowa State. Yeah. I mean, so they want to show up. They keep talking about how they feel good and they got a good mindset. Well, I can't tell in fourth quarter. <laughs> You're exactly right. I completely agree with you. All right, chill as always, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for the chat. No problem, guys. Enjoy your day. All right, we will. Right. You do good the same. To, good, good luck to AJ tonight. I right, appreciate you, man. All right. See you. All right, there he is. Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star Telegram. <laughs> it's Jay, he's a reporter, man. He's a reporter. Hey, I could tell you stories. See? It's funny though. I always love that. It is it is true. There are the seedy underbelly of I mean, you guys know that with pro sports, but college football, I mean, that's what I think is hilarious is the people who believe that their school isn't paying for and that now with NILs, oh, now they can make money. Dude, yeah. I mean, the stories I've heard about certain programs doing certain things that I know for a fact are true, and you're just like, huh, all right. Were you a fan of Dexter? Did you watch it? Yeah. Hell yeah. Because for those that are fans of Dexter, now, I thought the first seasons were wonderful. Season eight, you're like, oh, no. And then the ending, you're you're just sitting there going, why? Why is this the, like... Okay, so you felt like, well, I guess we got to wrap it up. What should we do? Let's do this. It'll be weird ass. Okay. Dexter went off the air on Showtime in 2013. Yeah. On Sunday, this Sunday, November 7th, Dexter returns. On Showtime? It's on Showtime. It is an eight-episode miniseries called Dexter New Blood. It picks up 10 years after the ending of the original series and shows us kind of where Dexter is in his life now and supposedly answers a lot of questions that they kind of left open-ended when the series ended in 2013. I'm all in, baby. Dude, so I'm all I. in. And I'm, I'm so all in that the lady and I last night, we went back and watched the very last episode of season eight. Oh, man, you are all in. Yeah, just to refresh us about, because I had kind of forgotten some of it. The Like, my lasting image, and she had completely forgotten the part where I, I told her, she goes, no, I think you're thinking of a different show. I was like, no. The one thing I remember from the Dexter finale is that dude's at a lumberjack staring out the window with the beard and looking at the camera, and all of a sudden, it's just over. I was like, I remember man. that. And sure enough, that's what happens. But, you know, keep in mind, like, Deb had gotten shot at the end, and then he and Hannah were going to run away to Argentina with his son, Harrison. And he ended up letting them go by themselves because he wanted to go and take care of this other serial killer who was responsible for Deb getting shot. So, De- and, and this is a problem is that like they wrapped up and sent in like the last 12 minutes ever of Dexter, 
They have Deb go into a vegetative state. Dexter kill the serial killer. Then Dexter go and kill his sister so that she didn't have to live as a vegetable her whole life. Then he drives out in the ocean, dumps her body, drives his boat into a hurricane. Harrison and Hannah are seen down in South Africa, South America, where she reads an article that Dexter has is presumed dead. And then all of a sudden it cuts to some wood and Dexter is a lumberjack sitting at a desk staring out a window. Dude, I remember that now. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, man. And you're like, what is this? You can't end Dude. a show this way. <laughs> Unless you're going to bring it back 10 years later and wrap all this silly shit up. I hope so, man. I'm actually really curious to see what they do with this. Because I watched a preview for New Blood. And, you know, because, like, you can get Showtime on Amazon Prime. So I'm just going to add it on Sunday. And then we'll watch it. And then I'll, I'll get rid of it again. But I watched a preview. And apparently Deb is in it somehow, even though she's dead. So I'm wondering if she kind of serves as, like, his dad. You know, that, right, that right, ghost-like right. role? Oh, that ghost. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the, apparently Hannah McKay, who was the, the person that he loved at the end that had Harrison, is not in this. So I guess you'll find out what happened to her. And I'll tell you on the preview, and they showed it for like five seconds. It he I can't remember what name he goes by. It's not Dexter Morgan anymore. He goes by something else. Right. And this teenage kid like comes up to him and he goes, are you Dexter Morgan? And he just turns around and Dexter looks at him and goes, Harrison? And then it cut to another scene. Wow. And I was like, what? His kid found him? Oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it kind of... I'm looking forward to that. Kind of gives me the vibe, because he's dating a police officer in this one in some small logging town up in upstate New York, and it kind of appears that maybe they have stumbled across a serial killer, and so Dexter's trying to figure out who it is on his own because he knows how people like that think. Wow. Although there's like one scene where there's blood everywhere and she goes, oh, no, 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 there's a lot of blood here. You don't like that. He goes, yeah, that's true. Blood makes me really queasy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, he's a blood splatter expert. <laughs> so, yeah, I should be I good. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, elsewhere here as we take this trip around the block, you know, Oprah, when she used to do her television show, she would do that like whatever her Christmas show was. And it'd be like, look under your chair and you just pulled out a million dollar coupon or whatever, you know? Right, right, right. And they'd be like, uh Oh, what is this? And if you liked that model car that we just showed, everybody reach under your chair, the keys to your own new car. <laughs> well, ever since she has not done her television, I mean, it's been years since she's been on TV, like with that show anyway. Right, right. Well, she releases every year Oprah's favorite things. And this is usually somewhere in the neighborhood of about 100 different things that she thinks would make great gifts for the Christmas season. Well, her Oprah's favorite things for 2021 is out. There are 110 gifts list listed and a tiny little steakhouse in the middle of nowhere in Buffalo Gap, which is about three hours west of Dallas, on the, like out past Fort Worth, obviously. Right. It's called the Perini Ranch. And the Perini Ranch's Mesquite Smoked Tenderloin is one of the gifts Oprah lists as her favorite things for 2021. Oh, wow. And I thought this was interesting because, so the Mesquite Smoked Peppered Beef Tenderloin is $145, or they'll ship it to you. And if you want it shipped to you, it's $185 with the shipping. It comes in two pieces, cooked medium rare, and it will right, feed right. six to eight people as a main course. Man. How's that side of you? 
it sounds awesome. It sounds super pricey, but then when you realize that it's for like eight people, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that, that seems like a solid deal. I, mean, I just wonder. I mean, would, would you, does it seem like a solid deal enough for you to be like, you know, me and a lady friend? No. And and your six other friends, you know, mm. Juan and Nick and your brother, your brothers, mom and dad, eight of you guys go out there. Would you roll like that? For $23, yeah, I would. If it's supposed to be that good, because for a really good steak or whatever, that's that's a super affordable cut of meat. Yeah. But I just wonder, how the hell did Oprah find this? Dude, that's a good question. What? Well, you know, sometimes when you're in town, you may just say, hey, what's what's the best place to go? You know, that's, that's and they're the like, locals. oh, it's about three hours away from here, out in the middle of nowhere. Buffalo Gap, for those that don't know, is... Trying to, it's, it's not that far. It's probably, God, about 30 minutes south of Abilene. Like, do you know where Tuscola is? No? No, but I've heard of it. Okay, yeah, because it's very close to Tuscola. I damn near, I barely know where Abilene is. Well, Abilene is way out in the middle of nowhere. You know, Abilene's Abilene is probably two and a half hours Abilene, west of Fort Worth. Still the greatest time that I've ever seen. And the Take only reason that I know. Abilene. Yeah, what song is that? That's a real song. You ain't never heard that? Abilene. I don't think so. Abilene. Well, still the greatest town that I've ever seen. <laughs> it is not the greatest town anybody's ever seen. <laughs> that must be like somebody who was born in Abilene and never left and then wrote perhaps, the song. Perhaps, perhaps. You know what happened? They wrote the song, got famous, and then when they left, you're like, damn it, why did I sing that about Abilene? <laughs> But the only reason why I know this is because Colt McCoy is from Tuscola. He went to Jim Ned High School in Tuscola. And so oh, I remember that. And so I, I remember the bu Buffalo Gap is out there. And then one of my very best friends, Nick, he went to Abilene Christian. And so I've been to Abilene several times because I, I went to college for a year at Howard Payne in Brownwood. And I would drive over and play <laughs> hockey and stuff with Nick at ACU. Wow. Yeah. So. That? Yeah, good times. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? Bro, uh, that's, I think that's a good day trip if you got your crew with you. Or the fellas, you know, want to go out and hang out. And then it's even cheaper because you don't have to pay for your date. Yeah, that's true. And it seems, I'm trying to remember, it seems like I actually drove through Buffalo Gap, and that's why I know where it is. Like on the way from Brownwood to Abilene, because they're about an hour-ish apart, roughly, maybe an hour and a half at the most. All right, so I just want to make sure. So th this is... What's the name of the place called? It's called, Christian? it's Perini, P-E-R-I-N-I -I Ranch. Perini Ranch's Tenderloin. And it's the mesquite-smoked peppered beef tenderloin that is on Oprah's favorite things. Mesquite-tenderloin. I mean, it's just so random. Like, they have all kinds of weird-ass gifts that are her favorite <laughs> things. Wow. I didn't even wow. know this. They have, she has a bunch of different categories. Books and writing gifts. Oh, okay. Ooh, I like that. I like writing gifts. Let's see what she's got here. What happened to you? Conversations on trauma, resilience, and healing. Oh, of course. Oprah Winfrey is one of the authors. No, uh, I, So that's one of your favorite things, is it, Oprah? I wonder if she's got stock in the Perini Ranch. I don't know. She's got uh, Oprah's The Life You Want Planner and then hmm. some Life Note Kit thing, and those are the three in books. Well, let me well, ask you this because I'm curious now. What's the... Uh, What's the best steak you've ever had? The best steak that I ever had in my life was probably the garlic stuffed tenderloin that you get at the Lonesome Dove Steakhouse in the stockyards. 
All right, that sounds heavenly. At Lonesome, Dove, at Lonesome Dove Western Bistro. And I waited tables there for a couple of years. Well, not for a couple of years, for like a couple of months because I hated it. Right. Which was weird because I made a ton of money. Like, I think I've talked about that before. Like, that was, at the time, the most money I ever made in my life, and it was waiting tables. But it was Chef Tim Love. It, it was his project that he owned. And I just never saw eye to eye with that guy. He was a colossal asshole to me. Right, right. I feel you. Yeah, and um, so it just got to a point. It's like, I'd rather go back to Fridays and make less money and enjoy myself more. Yeah, and that's classic Matt. And I ain't mad at you. Cause, that's true, it is. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm for real. And that's, more people should be like that and your life would be better. Um, because you're like, oh, I need the money or I want the, Nah, fuck that. You know, yeah. Sometimes you you just just peace of mind is good. Right. Uh, and liking where you work, since you got to work so much, it's... I say that all the time. I take less money, or I I'll turn that thing. I don't want somebody wanted me to do it, wanted my company to do a job, and I had worked with them before, and they said, "Oh, money's no object." With and in my mind, I was like, "Dude, you really don't understand that you can't pay me enough to do that <laughs> because yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to work with you anymore." And so, now, I mean, theoretically, you could pay me enough, but you don't have that much money, so. You got a lot of money, but not that much money. So I don't want to do that. I was trying to think about the best steak I have because I love steak. And I think it was a, uh, it's probably, and this is somewhat basic, but it's a, I think it was a ribeye at Albernay's. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, succulent to the touch, melt in your mouth, delicious. But you know what my big goal is now as far as goals? And this is a very selfish goal. But you only live once, bro. Yeah, or you do. Actually, well, you may live multiple times, but you really, I think, only remember the time that you're living right now. Mm-hmm. I want a tomahawk steak, brother. There you go. I just want one. Like, they look so delicious. Like, I want one. And then I, one of my friends was talking about, he wanted one. I was like, bro. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell y'all who it is. It's the one. It's the only. Donovan Lewis at the ticket. Oh, Donnie Do. Donnie Do. And I was like, bro. No wives, just me and you. For real. Then that way we're just spending 120 or 150 bucks. Yeah, me I mean he, he works at the ticket. He'll, he's fine. Tell why don't he just tell Norm, <laughs> call Bob Steak and Chop House and tell him that I'm coming with Jacques and we want tomahawks. You know what? We could probably do that. <laughs> I but, <mean>. um, <laughs> but but that's what I want. I want I want a tomahawk. I also know a friend of mine, Chef Ken Patrick. Who could probably make us a tomahawk and, and cook it at the at somebody's mm. house, and we just. But again, it's better if it's just us. That way, you know. I mean, wives are great and all that Dude. stuff, man. But if it's just us, we ain't got to worry about everybody. Else. Wives are the, great and all. It that can just stuff. be the. It can just be the boys. <laughs> we know what I mean, man. No, I know exactly act, what you mean. You gotta act. I mean, if your lady friend comes, you gotta act a certain way. Yeah, it's different. You gotta dress a certain way. You gotta do all that other stuff. If it's just the fellas, you can tell crude, crass jokes. You can, I mean, you know, you just be the boys. Yeah, I know what you mean. And it's mean. okay every now and then. Yeah, you can God rip damn, ass. They got to be you know. involved in everything. Shit. You can fart into your oh. hand and laugh and think it's hilarious. I mean, I guess if, if you think what? that's hilarious. No, you don't. No, I don't really do that. Black no, people no. don't do that. <laughs> of course <laughs> like, not. You never see any black people involved in a circle joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a white people thing. No, it isn't. <laughs> not that I'm aware of. I don't think so. I think you're wrong on that one. You know, I, I had a tomahawk steak once. Oh, that, you lucky bastard. You. No, because my buddy Keith, this is, so we went, and it was, at, it was in a Billy Can Can, that place that was right down there in Victory Park. 
And we went one afternoon. He's like, man, I forget how he had come into some extra money doing something. And he was like, I want to talk. Let's get one. He's like, will you split it with me? He's like, if you're paying for it, yeah, I'll split it with you. Right. And we got it. And we were just kind of like, meh. Oh, really? Yeah, we were pissed. Like, actually, like he was, I can't believe this. I paid that much for a steak and it wasn't even that great. Now, it doesn't mean it's not good. It's just at at that particular location or that particular time. I don't know. We were just I'm just obsessed with them. And I I just want one. Yeah, go get one. Damn it. Damn it. You know, I I do the games, the DeSoto games with Donnie Dew. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. I'm going to talk to him tonight like, dude, we need to lock this in. Plan a date, a, a date to go, not a date with each other, but a date. To go. It's okay if it's a date with each other. I mean, don't feel bad. That sounds that sounds weird. Sounds like we're on the download, and that's not the case. Yeah, you should uh, you should go ahead and, and tell him tonight that you want to figure out when you go, you want to get the tomahawk steak, and you want him to do the upper decker. What's the upper decker? Just have just ask him about it. No, I'm not going to ask him about it. Is that no. some kind of sexual reference, no, Matt? No, no, because I know you. It's I not. know you, Matt. It's not. Just tell him, and I'll, I'll tell him, and Donnie do will punch me, and I'll tell you, and you'll be like. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know what the upper decker was. <laughs> no, you just got to ask him. Be like, Matt told me that we should try this see? and see what he says. Uh, no, no, no. He'll like know. He, he will know. He will not punch you. Trust me. Okay. I'm going to whisper it in his ear today. <laughs> well, maybe, that may not be good either. No, just do it while you're on the air. <laughs> that may hilarious. be like a... Oh, hell no. Now I know it's a setup. Now no, it's, it's not. Setup. It's not for real. Like, you could talk about it on the air. It's totally fine. Okay. Maybe oh, maybe. I meant to ask you before we, we wrap up the block. Did you... Because you had said... Did you start reading the uh, Samuel L. Jackson Bad Motherfucker book? Yeah. Yeah. That's not what I thought it was, but no, it's still but good. It's I, I read the whole thing. God damn, man. I know, I know. Because <laughs> you mentioned it. Damn. You mentioned it. It's like, man, that sounds cool. So I read that earlier this week. <laughs> Jesus. It's yeah, great. I mean, I was it's like I said, I thought it, was, it, it wasn't what I thought because I and I got I got excited because I thought yeah. it was really him. But it's not him. It's more like a biography. Yeah, yeah. But, that's, uh, yeah. but there's some interesting stuff in there. Yeah, and it's also interesting because like, I got the impression that the author actually didn't really talk to him that much, that he just researched the shit out of this thing. I got the same impression. And there's a bunch of, it, like, there's a lot of stuff in there that I did not know about Samuel L. Jackson that I thought was awesome, yeah. and it's really well-researched. But it, it's basically this dude who writes a book about Samuel L. Jackson and watches every single one of his 140 movies and he goes through each one and tells you a little bit about him and, and how Sam fits into it. And then he also tells stories about Sam's life. But there's some really cool moments in the book about, you know, from a variety of the different movies that he's been in that I just, I didn't know that I thought were awesome. No, so I thought it was a good book. And, uh, like, I'm still in it. I'm still, I'm not, um, it's been a weird week. Yeah. Uh, but I've, um, I enjoy it. And so I'm just uh, working through it. And I got to, I got to go to Jackson on Saturday friday saturday so i may uh I may you're going to, to jackson yeah 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 that'll be great yeah it's fun so yeah that actually ended up being my 26th book of the year so i hit my goal wow. already and i'm on to i'm on book 27 right now and then i'll have that knocked out by next tuesday when the new harry bosch book comes out and that'll be book 28 dude you're just a machine right? i know now. like i've gotten addicted to it <laughs> it's just a machine it's just so much out there to read are, are you enjoying the books or are you just rolling through them? no like the one i'm on right now it's i'm sure a lot of people have heard of it and i'd seen it many years before it's called the power of now and i was yeah. curious to read it and i just it's really a lot of the same stuff over and over with stuff that i'm kind of already in tune with 
So I'm kind of that one I'm going through pretty quick just to see if there's anything new in it. But most of them, like I like the Samuel Jackson book, I I highly enjoyed. I thought that was awesome. I mean, I really that's that's part of the reason why I read it so fast. It's because I'll just sit for like an hour, hour and a half in two mornings and knock it out in like three hours or so. And that makes me fun. Oh, no, we lost Jacques. Jacques is down. Jacques is. What happened to Jacques? Ladies and gentlemen, we have lost Jean-Jacques Taylor. He is no longer here with us on this version of the podcast. And I don't know why. And voila, it said, no, 3% is enough for me. Yeah. So now, now I know. Now you know when your computer's on 3%, <laughs> you're totally screwed. Yeah, so I'll go change it at five from here on out. Yeah, man. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, we're having this conversation. And I just couldn't hear you. And I was like, well, we've lost Jacques. And I thought maybe I'll just end the podcast like that. And it would be like a tease till the next podcast. What happened to Jean-Jacques Taylor? <laughs> now, you know, I got to give you one uh, to steal a line from the ticket. I got to give you one emergency break a week. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and there it was right there. We had no idea what happened. But Jacques' laptop was on 3% and said, nope, no more for you. <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, let's tell you about a couple of our sponsors. I know many of you have been able to get out and enjoy Smokey John's Barbecue and the Jam Session Bowl. If you haven't done that yet, then you are missing out because it is only available to Jam Session listeners. If you do not listen to the podcast, you cannot order this menu item because, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it's not on the menu. The secret menu item. It's Jam Session Bowl, and it's fantastic. I wouldn't have had it the first time about three weeks ago. Friend of mine was trying to go back and get it again. Everybody, I haven't heard a single person say, "Ah, oh, it's a little overrated." It was all right. No, it's fantastic, man. And uh, we encourage you to go get it at Smokey John's. And I think I rolled with the mashed potatoes, man. But you can make the base mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. Your choice of five smoked meats, man. And then they they drizzle it with all kind of special stuff. A lot of the stuff mm-hmm. you might find on the baked potato, man. Put that Smokey John's sauce on it to wrap it up. It is fantastic. Delicioso, eh? So go get it. It's at Smokey John's Barbecue. Also, keep in mind, Thanksgiving's coming up later. This We are actually recording this on Thursday. Three weeks from today for us is Thanksgiving. And they are doing their famous dressing stuffed turkey legs. Now, the turkey legs are sold. You can get them as a two-pack or a four-pack. And you get a special price if you order them in the next 10 days or so. You get smoked turkey legs stuffed with their homemade dressing and gravy with a side of cranberry sauce. You can get a two-pack for $34.95 or a four-pack for $69.95. And how about this? If you order the turkey leg pack and you are a Jam Session listener, you get a complimentary homemade side of one pint to go with your stuffed turkey leg pack order. Sounds delish. That's the way to do it. Indeed. Yes. So that is only for Jam Session listeners. Again, that that complimentary homemade side, just in time for Thanksgiving. Make sure you mention when you order that you are a Jam Session listener so that they can get you taken care of. Here is the number to call to order this Thanksgiving special. 214-352-2752. Again, it's Smokey John's Barbecue. Yes, the Jam Session Bowl is still happening. You can still go in and get that. Or you can get the turkey leg stuffed the stuffed turkey leg pack and again that number to call to order that is 214-352-2752 and again if you order that not only do you get the turkey legs and the homemade dressing and gravying the side of cranberry sauce if you make sure to mention you're a jam session listener you get that complimentary one pint of homemade side which is freaking awesome if you've had their sides before god their food's good it's smoky john's barbecue also of course 
Let's not forget to mention, and we much appreciate what they do at Freeway Tire Shop. And I know you much appreciate what they do at Freeway Tire Shop because JR and his guys are always working on something that you had. Dude, think about JR, man. And I take out my cars there. I got two of them there now. <laughs> do I have two of them there? I may have three of them there right now. I need to double check. But they all got different issues. All got different issues, bro. Some of them very short term, some of them very long term. He's building an engine for my Challenger. Uh, so, dude, but the reason I take my cars there and I keep them in business is because I trust him, man, for real. I trust him to diagnose the issue. I trust him to use quality parts to fix the issue. I trust him, check this out, man, to give me a fair freaking price. And then I trust him to stand behind his work. Jared does all that. He's done it time and time and time again. And, dude, whether it's an oil change, inspection sticker, getting an engine built for a Challenger, I take all my cars to JR and let him take care of them. It's the way to do it, man. It is Freeway Tire Shop just north of downtown Dallas, and they'll get you taken care of. Whether you need some serious work done, you need an oil change, maybe just a state inspection, or you need tires, elite level, mind-boggling trust that you will be able to experience when you take your vehicles to Freeway Tire Shop. Schedule an appointment. You can request your quote now online at freewaytireshop.com. It is time, as we do every week, brought to you by Medea from Scratch and their three great, delicious DFW locations. Longtime ESPN NFL insider Ed Werder joining us. And Ed, I, I think, you know, a lot of us, last week when we talked to you on the podcast, you had kind of had the understanding you didn't think Dak was going to play Sunday night. He doesn't play. How surprised were you with the performance of Cooper Rush? Um, you know, I think uh, everybody's surprised and, and really don't know what to expect in terms of a guy who's never started an NFL game after being on a roster for four years. You know, you have some doubts about this guy's ability to execute the offense, especially when they're playing on the road. You know, it's a, it's a noisy environment. I mean, the Cowboys won with a backup there last year, but it was Andy Dalton, a veteran, and it was, it was in an empty building during, the, you know, the pandemic. And this was a whole different set of circumstances. Uh, the Vikings led the NFL in, in sacks per game. Um, so I thought it was a very difficult situation for Cooper Rush to make his NFL debut. Um, but I don't think you could have asked him to perform much better, despite the fact that he had an interception and a sack and a fumble, which you know he, he really couldn't have prevented. He never saw the, the safety coming untouched. Um, but what he did in the two-minute drill, the fact that he was able to you know, incorporate the skill position guys where the Cowboys have the advantage, you know, with Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb both going over 100 yards in the same game for the second time this season. Um, I thought that was – I thought he showed a lot. Um, maybe he'll never play again. Maybe he'll never play that well again. Um, but he really delivered in a moment. And, and I thought maybe the most important thing and, and maybe the thing that justifies him being on the roster was that you know, Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy showed a lot of confidence in him. I mean, like I said, I think they pretty much just executed their offense. They didn't shut it down, you know, with a backup quarterback in there and try not to lose the game like we saw Jason Garrett's teams do so many times. You know, I watched the game, man, and I tweeted this out at one point, and I was like, he has an opportunity. I think I tweeted this out sometime in the first quarter. It's like, however he plays, he has an opportunity to make a whole lot of money tonight because uh, if he plays well, he can basically be the backup for the next three, four, five years or have a career based off one or two games because we've seen other guys do it. You get the feeling right. that that might have been that for him? Yeah, as long as he never plays again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, he, 
if he never if he never has to prove himself in that position again and he can negotiate off this one game, uh, yeah, I think he can keep that position for the foreseeable future here. You know, but you have to keep in mind, I think McCarthy has demonstrated that he's always looking for another quarterback and they're right. probably always gonna draft a quarterback. We've seen him do it now, you know, a couple different times, so uh, he'll always have to fend that guy off. But, um, you know, Cooper Rush, We did, I, when, when they went to training camp, we, most of us didn't think he'd even make the team. Um, right. And he, he did. You know, he, he beat out Gilbert, uh, who had performed well in his one start last year against Pittsburgh, a game they easily could have won but didn't. Um, and, and then for him to not only make the team but hold the backup spot and then play as well as he did, um, you know, I think everything they talked about uh, kind of came true as far as, hey, he really understands the system. You know, there isn't, we won't be limited in any significant way. I mean, he doesn't get out and extend plays like, you know, Dak does. He doesn't have Dak's mobility. Um, but he did the job, I thought, you know, quite well. And, and when you're tied with three other teams with one loss trying to, you know, be the number one seed and get that single um, postseason bye, every game is, is probably more important than it's ever been. Um, and so a lot of credit to, to him and to the coaches who believed in him the way they did and, and the players. I mean, Amari Cooper was saying that just today. Yeah. The flip side of that, of course, with what we saw from Cooper rush was what the defense did on Sunday night, kind of limiting Dalvin cook. They really, for the most part, shut down Justin Jefferson. What impressed you the most about the defensive performance against the Vikings? Yeah, I really, I really thought that, um, you know, if a team could not turn the ball over, um, then it might ex- expose the weaknesses in the Cowboys' defense, which I think most coaches would tell you is they don't tackle well in the open field, and that's why they give up so many big plays, and they have a lot of penalties, which they still did because they get beat, they grab. That's what you know Trayvon Diggs does. Um, but they didn't get a turnover last week, and they still won. A lot of it, I think, was the incompetence, quite honestly, of the Vikings on offense. I was not impressed with what Kirk Cousins did in the game. Um, you know, he took too many sacks. He didn't seem to be aware of where he was in terms of field position. Uh, made, just made a lot of really big plays, and I don't think he took advantage of some of the uh, matchup opportunities he had with, you know, Delvin Cook, a guy who averaged 300 yards uh, from scrimmage against the Cowboys in two previous games. And, you know, Adam Thielen, who scored that early touchdown, but last year had you know, eight catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns against Dallas. So, uh, yeah, I thought they played well. I thought they put some pressure on them at the right time. They still had too many penalties. Um, but I guess you could argue that with, without the turnovers, it was maybe their best defensive performance from the standpoint of, you know, putting a, a complete game together and not giving up a lot of big plays. You know, I think one of the things we haven't talked very much about is it seems like if you look at the imp- improvement of Terrence Steele and you see what some of these – unknown dudes on defense are doing a guy like J. Ron Kersey coming in and, and doing all the stuff he's doing it seems like this coaching staff is handling its business on a lot of different levels and I don't think we've been able to say that in a long time do you get a sense that the coaching staff is actually you know from top to bottom doing some uh, some really good things yeah I think um, you know last year they, they obviously went out and uh, Will McClay and, and Mike McCarthy made some you know big what they thought were big moves and better in free agency, getting players on the cheap on one-year contracts, mainly on the defensive line, and almost none of them worked out. And this year, with Dan Quinn identifying the players and being involved in 
you know, developing their, their talent and fitting them into roles on defense. Uh, I think they've hit home runs almost across the board, especially in the secondary where they, where they really needed help the most. But um, yeah, I, I think there's been a big improvement in that. I think the veterans, I mean, they've not only gotten huge contributions out of a lot of the rookies, but they've gotten significant playing time and significant uh, contributions out of the veteran free agents that they've signed, you know, mostly on one year type contracts. And that speaks to, you know, the, the belief that Mike McCarthy's kind of always had because the Packers didn't participate in free agency. You know, he always had to play young guys. He always had to be open-minded about that. And I think he is. And then he's talked about, you know, addressing with his, his teams. Hey, you know, when we won the Super Bowl with the Packers, we played 77 different guys that season. It's a long year. We need a lot of people on the roster right. are going to play. And, and I think so far they've been forced into that position quite often and have had now had to do it at some of the most important positions in football. You know, they lost their pass rusher. Uh, they lost their quarterback for a week. And they've done nothing but win through it all. I'm kind of curious as we transition into looking their preparations for the upcoming game on Sunday at home against Denver. Before we get to what's happening on the field, off the field, this thing with Kellen Moore, what have you heard about the TCU deal and and that whole bit with Kellen Moore? Well, I mean, I think TCU should be interested in in Kellen Moore. Uh, And it would be a great accomplishment if they were able to make him their next head coach. I don't see it happening. I know they pay a lot of money. They paid Gary Patterson, what, $6 million? So they can come up with money if they have to uh, to get the person they want. I just think they're going to want to hire a coach before Kellen Moore is going to be in a position to decide that's the place for me when he's you know, not even halfway through a Cowboy season and who knows where it all goes and where how it all ends. Uh, but I would think there's going to be substantial interest among NFL uh, teams seeking head coaches in him as well as other major college programs. He, he, he was involved in talks last year with uh, with his alma mater, Boise State, and maybe they don't have the, the financial resources to compete with the TCU. Um, but Jerry signed the guy to a three-year contract, and I'm sure Jerry's willing to keep him here and do anything necessary, much like he did early in Jason Garrett's career, where he paid him, you know, it made him the highest-paid offensive coordinator in football, and he turned down the Ravens and the Falcons because of the money Jerry was making uh, offering him. And presumably because he knew and had probably been told there was a good chance he might be the next head coach of the franchise if he were to be a little bit patient about it. I think that same opportunity will be uh, mentioned to Kellen Moore. What do you think makes Kellen Moore a good coordinator, especially based on the folks you talk around the league? Yeah, just, you know, I think everybody's talked about, you know, how creative he is. I think we've, we've seen new things every week. I mean, Last week we saw seven offensive linemen on the field at the same time. You know, in that inverted uh, wishbone with uh, uh, two guards, Lael Collins and Connor McGovern, lined up uh, on opposite sides of Zeke in the backfield. Uh, you know, you saw the uh, the Cedric Wilson pass play. Um, just, I think he's just creative, but he also understands what matchups benefit him, and he's able to you know lean on those. Uh, I think they do a good job of knowing what their opponent weaknesses are and the advantages that they have. And I think maybe more than ever, we've seen them adapt in game uh, to those situations better than they have previously. I think we saw it for sure in new England. Uh, That's what, that's what the Patriots do on both sides of the ball. You know, the Cowboys scored a lot of points against that team and had incredible offensive success. Um, And now to win with your backup quarterback, the way they did, that's, you know, going to be something else that, um, will make people interested or 
or something else that uh, you know makes Kellen Moore stand out from from other coordinators who will be interviewing for head coaching jobs. So we we. Yes. Let me ask you this, Matt, as I cut you off. Yeah, do whatever it's, you it's want. Worth, it's worth it, though, bro. <laughs> Did right. you guys watch the sideline sounds from the Cowboys this week? I didn't watch this week. I usually do. What would you see on there? And it relates to what we're talking about. At one point in the first half, Cedric Wilson comes up, and he's talking to Cooper Rush, and he says, hey, they're playing me like this, and I just ran past the guy. And uh-huh. Cooper Rush says, oh, well, you're about to get a 73-yard touchdown. <laughs> and then they go hit it, and I went, damn. Um, right. But I think that's what we're talking about, either that Cooper communicated like, hey, Cedric sees this, and Kellen Moore goes, oh, well, let's put the play in next time we get this look. Or whatever they did, it was just like they're really in tune and in sync, and uh, it's paying off with big plays and wins. Yeah, I mean, I like I said before, I think you got to give them credit you know, for the aggressiveness that they showed in the game, and that play really stood out. As a perfect example of that is a big moment. They're down 10 to 3, first possession, second half, and they, you know, they throw a deep ball on a slant. Even though Cooper had, had some issues throwing in the middle of the field, they didn't write that part of the field off and say, well, we can't go there. We're going to turn the ball over. We keep throwing it in there. And they made the biggest play of the game in that situation. No, I'm sorry, Matt. Go to your very <laughs> revelant, well, I know rev- it, very revelant, important question. Well, yes, of course, because everybody wants to know about <laughs> Dak. I mean, it, it sounds like he's 100%. He says he's good to yeah. go, and, and you were out there today. I mean, it's, it's, he, there's no problems. Everything's good. He, he said he's close to 100%. He, unlike last week, he took all of the first-team reps in, in practice both yesterday and today, and he said that it was that it was interesting that yesterday he took his first snap and teamwork and he he escaped the pocket to make a throw and he thought to himself I probably should have done that on the very first rep and the relevance to that was that's what I would have been thinking about if I had played last week I'd have been thinking about those kind of things in the game and it would have limited me and I wouldn't have been as focused on execution now I can just now that I've had that extra week as much as I wanted to play I'm more ready to play and I can you know focus my concentration entirely on playing the game and not worrying about a re-injury. I mean, can't get re-injured because they got, what, four games in the next 19 days? Yeah. Uh, so they, they can't afford to lose the guy. And so they, they, I think they were smart being cautious in the approach and basically, hey, let's risk the game to protect the season. You know, I think they're looking at this as a 20-game season, not a 17-game season. Uh, and it's pretty remarkable to me how open these guys are talking about what a special season they believe this could be. I can't tell you how many times Dak talked about, I want to play in that last game. You know, when Zeke was asked a question about that yesterday, about rushing titles, do they matter to him anymore? He says, what matters to me is playing in that last game in L.A. Uh, so this, well, is, this is a very focused group of guys, and, and they're subtle about how they mention it. They don't say Super Bowl or bust, but it's pretty clear what their expectations are, and, and they believe they're capable of meeting them. I look at them, man, because, uh, you know, we've seen so much Cowboys football over the last 30 years. Or you 30, me probably 25. But to me, I think this is a team that's smart enough as a team to go, not only are we really good, but we got depth. And I don't know that we'll be this good again because we got guys who leave in free agency and everything, and they'll be replaced by other guys we don't know. And so – it's that Parcells thing where it's like, does anybody really scare you this year or can we compete against every contender out there? And if the answer is yes and we think we got a really good team, then they really should be they really should be thinking like that as long as they're doing it, you know, taking care of the macro and the micro at the same time. 
Well, I mean, the, the only teams in the NFC that have a better record are Green Bay, Arizona, and the Rams. And I would say the Rams probably stand out to me right now as the best team, and now they go get Vaughn Miller. Um, you know, a trade that obviously helps Dallas this week, but may cost them uh, in the playoffs at some point if they play the Rams. Uh, they, get, they The Cowboys get to play Arizona late in the year. Green Bay, I mean, the Aaron Rodgers missing at least one game and maybe more, that could cost Green Bay the chance to compete with these teams for that, you know, one playoff buy uh, as the top seed in the NFC. But, yeah, I mean, I think if you look at, if you look at these teams, I think the Cowboys are – Really good. I mean, they've demonstrated they can score an incredible number of points on almost anybody if they have Dak in the lineup, especially at home. You know, Dak, they've scored over 30, 35 or more points in eight consecutive Dak Prescott home starts. That's a record in the NFL. That's never happened before. And this week, the Broncos come in. The Broncos haven't scored 35 points in any game, any of their last 20 games. And so that's what they're up against. But, yeah, I think I think the Cowboys have distinguished themselves as a true contender in the NFC this year, as long as Dak Prescott stays relatively healthy and doesn't miss too many games. Is that kind of how the way that you see this game going? Like, like you mentioned, Denver doesn't really score. They're, they're just kind of averaged everywhere. And then Dallas being at home, a team that at home with a healthy Dak is going to put up points. Do you see this being one of those games where Dallas wins fairly handedly? Well, you know, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the Broncos, they, you know, they, they kind of sent a bad message. I understand why George, uh, Peyton, the general manager there in his first year, you know, traded Vaughn Miller. Even though they're four and four, I think he sees the team for what it is. I mean, they went three and zero to start the season against a bunch of really bad teams like the Jets, the Jaguars, and I don't know, was it the Giants? Uh, like three of the worst teams in football, and they didn't really even dominate all those teams. This is just a this is just a franchise. I know this drove John Elway crazy because I covered their draft two years ago when they uh, took Jerry Judy and and Hamler. Uh, to try to increase their speed and big plays on the outside. They're just frustrated that they can't score. And, and it's been a long problem that the Broncos really had to Peyton Manning retire. They're averaging 19 points a game. Uh, they just can't score. And Teddy Bridgewater is not really a dynamic quarterback. You know, they win when he doesn't turn the ball over. He's, they're one in three if he has a single interception. And so the margin for error is really small for Denver. And I just don't think they match up very well with an explosive Dallas team playing at home on a fast surface. Um, as we as we talk about the league, man, what is your take on, on Aaron uh, Rodgers' situation? Well, I think he um, was deliberately misleading in his comments when he was asked in training camp about whether um, he's vaccinated or not, and he answered by saying, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, what do you say, immune or whatever, whatever reference Immunized, immunized. Um, I think he was being deliberately misleading in that situation. Uh, you know, where the NFL investigation goes and what it what it's able to prove about whether he honored the protocols or the Packers honored the protocols. I really don't think Rodgers is in any, any personal jeopardy of being suspended because in situations in the past where these uh, protocols have been violated, the team has suffered the consequences in terms of a fine. And then I think in addition to a fine, the Saints and Raiders were also fine draft picks, um, but I don't I'm not aware of any player being disciplined over that by you know being forced to sit out a game or something like that. But I think he's definitely jeopardized his team's chances of beating Kansas City. Uh, and at minimum, if he plays the next week against um, Seattle, he can't he'll miss practice all week. So he's probably not going to be at his best in that situation either. 
Although I will say, you know, an angry Aaron Rodgers is is a difficult guy to defend against. <laughs> no um, doubt. And the Packers certainly proved last week they can, that Rodgers can win no matter what little he has, but can they win a game without Aaron Rodgers? I think that's the real challenge. One more thing, Matt, as I interrupt you again. Odell Beckham Jr., bro, is he like just a guy now? Or does he just need a different situation? Or does he have like a Randy Moss uh, rebirth once he gets somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I he hasn't really been an impact player, you know, any time in the last few years. It's been 23 games since he had a 100-yard receiving game in October of 2019 against the Seahawks. Uh, I think he's a guy that some teams would still like to have. I, I certainly could see him being a fit with the Saints uh, or a fit with uh, the Patriots who have, you know, taken this kind of player on before. The Saints, obviously, with Sean Payton, uh, you know, he's been willing – uh, to do that with, he did it with Dante Stallworth. He did it. He was going to do it with Des Bryant. Uh, now they've lost Michael Thomas. So I think he. So I think there are teams that would give him a chance. His contract, I think, is what probably prevented him from being traded. And now the Browns are in kind of a tough spot because they don't want him on their team. Obviously, they've excused him from practice, and they're trying to work out a final resolution here. But I think they're a little wary of just releasing him and having him go to an AFC contender that you know, winds up hurting their ability to try to secure a playoff berth again in the postseason. So I think there are just a lot of factors in play. The fact that they're hesitant to just let him go, I think, suggests that they know he has some ability left and it just hasn't worked in their offense with Baker Mayfield. But he seems to be one of a kind up there. It doesn't seem to be a lot of guys who have problems with Kevin Stefanski and the coaching staff. Um, but this guy's been a persistent issue and a guy who just – you know, has not delivered. I mean, he just has not performed. And he's never had really much of a rapport with Baker Mayfield. In fact, uh, they rank among the worst quarterback-receiver combinations in the league. Baker's thrown six touchdown passes and eight interceptions when targeting Odell Beckham Jr. since 2019. Ed Werder, as always, man, we appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Good to talk to you guys. Look forward to next week. All right. Thanks, Appreciate it. There he is. That is Ed Werder. Again, as always, brought to you by Medea from Scratch. You can check out their three DFW area locations. You got one in Plano. There's one in Flower Mound and one right there in Grapevine. And don't forget Medea from Scratch. You know, everybody is starting to look towards those holiday parties about a month out or so from those. They'll cater or you can book your holiday party there at Medea from Scratch. Fantastic place. Dude. I managed to go there today. My brother's in town. I said, if you're in town, and he lives in Phoenix via Chicago and Buffalo. I was like, we got to take you to Medea from scratch, bro. They sponsored the show, which is great. But secondly, it's wonderful Tex-Mex food or wonderful food, however you like it. And so, bro, it was outstanding, man. I had some bacon-wrapped shrimp as part of a fajita plate. Uh, some barbecue. Uh, this is what happened when you bring your bro, your bro out of town, bro. Had some barbecue fajitas, and he had some kind of enchilada in a bowl with an egg on top, man. But it was all delicious. Throwing a little queso and some guac, man. Fantastic. Y'all need to go get some. Seriously. Really. Go get some. All right. So go do that. Medea from scratch. You know, he's interesting. I wanted to expand on this a little bit on the Odell Beckham Jr. thing, that question that you yeah. asked him. Because this is one of those, and, and you kind of talk about this all the time, what happens is you you like, oh, my God, Odell Beckham Jr.? Oh, oh, my God, go get him. But then when you look at Odell Beckham Jr., do you guys realize in the last five seasons, he only has two 1,000-yard seasons, 
In those seasons, he barely eclipsed 1,000 yards. He had 1,052, 1,035. Everybody is thinking this is first three-year Odell Beckham Jr. And it ain't. And it's not even he's he has not been on that level since he got hurt in 2017. He has just been at best an average receiver in the NFL the last five seasons. And you know, and we didn't get into it there, but um, the question is always why? Like, like literally, why? Why are you not the guy that you were the first three years? Is it injury? Is it situation? Is it mental in terms of and mental? Could be you know you can't. You know, you're just in a bad space mentally or, you know, you think you're a star and you're really just an average player. So you can't accept whatever role is. I don't know, um, it, but it's a fascinating look. And frankly, I'd like I'm not in a position to do it these days, um, but I wish somebody would take a deep dive on why Odell Beckham Jr. went from surefire lock hall of famer to just a guy. I don't know. You wonder if it was that injury that he suffered in his fourth year. I mean, he, well, that's he what is- I'm saying. It could be. But then you look at it and see, that's what's interesting because his first three years, he has all that dominance. Even in 2017, he missed a chunk of time. He came back in 2018 with when he was with the Giants and threw up five 100-yard games. But since he's been in Cleveland, he has not had a 100-yard receiving game since October 13th of 2019. And in the last two seasons, in 2020 and this year, he has one game over 80 yards receiving. Like, yeah, I mean, he's not been a factor, Merrill. Yeah. He's not. It's weird. No, I mean, it's beyond weird because he's a guy you would have swore was on a Hall of Fame trajectory, and he's just not. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.